We don't grieve in a linear or straight path, and we don't follow these, what is considered the five stages of grief. And so, you, you know, we're not crazy. You're not crazy. It's, it's grief. Grief is normal, yet it's complex, and it can be all over the place. It can be messy. And some days you can just be fine, you know? And so one thing I like to say, as far as the five stages of grief is that we can use them to help inform our grieving process. We are all different and the grief for each one of us is as different as our fingerprint. You know, it's very different. We process things differently. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then queen, we, have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Liv Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the word of God and worship in everything. I am so grateful you were here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey y'all, it's me Liz and I want to ask how are you doing? I ask that sincerely because I know that the holidays can inspire a variety of feelings within all of us depending upon the variety of things that we have gone through. And I want you to know that regardless of whether you are thriving and you have been waiting for this time or you have been dreading it, we are worshiping through all of that with you. This time is a unique time to fix our eyes on the Lord. And I do understand that it can feel heavy to lift your hands when everything feels hard, but it is my hope that you continue to press in and do just that anyway. Today, we are going to be talking about grief, and I do feel that what our guest has to share with us will help you embrace this as one of the natural parts of life. I know I have struggled to embrace the grief that I've experienced in the past, and I've put so much pressure on myself to be well and to be someone that everyone wants to be around and to be someone that everyone can really just find joy in the presence of. But if we're going to be honest, that doesn't always feel authentic. It doesn't always feel natural, and it sometimes feels so inauthentic that it really leaves me questioning why it is that I did not feel I could be myself around specific groups of people and what that means about, you know, what I feel about myself, what I feel about others, and how trust and intimacy is built and developed. One of the things that I appreciate about our Bible is that our Lord never hides the fact that we will grieve in this world. John 16, 33 is one of those go-to verses that I hold in my heart. And the English Standard Version 
says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the New Living Translation goes so far as to use that word tribulation as a modern day translation to mean trials and sorrows. Sorrows are just something that we can expect, but there are so many different areas that we can grow encouraged even in that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the various genres of the Psalms, but the Psalms range from lament to praise to hymn to royal Psalms to Psalms of wisdom, thanksgiving, and trust. And the Logos Bible app which I absolutely adore, identifies 59 Psalms of Lament. What's interesting is that more Psalms of Lament have been written than any other category. And it takes up over one third of all of the Psalms that have been written. So I would definitely like to encourage you to open your Bible and to really invite the Lord to speak through those areas if this is something that you could use. One of the things that we know is that although King David was not the only composer of the Psalms, he definitely was well acquainted with grief. And once his family began to fall apart after Amnon chose to abuse his sister Tamar, who both happened to be King David's children, Absalom chose to take that revenge in his own hands in order to seek justice on behalf of his sister. And it led to a domino effect of sorrow that will continue to take King David's breath away. He continued to breathe, though. And I know that what I'm about to share can feel a little mm, superficial or shallow, but I do want to invite you to stay with me. We learn that when we breathe, we actually have the opportunity to say, yeah, ways, name, because his name is made up of these aspirated consonants. And I just find it so interesting that we breathe. Yahweh, God's name, whenever we need to take a sigh, whenever we need to breathe in new air. And it is my hope that if that is the only thing you can find yourself doing this holiday season, that you would know that our God is right there taking those breaths with you. There have been times where I have felt so much sorrow, so much discouragement. All I could do was breathe as I willed myself to focus on the Lord and to keep breathing. As someone who has faced a variety of issues, that was something that was incredibly powerful to me. The desire to keep breathing was something that I haven't always had. And so for those of you who may be 
struggling through seasons of grief, or who may be walking through those seasons of grief with others, encourage them to keep breathing and know that God will help us to lift our hands yet again. He will help us to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He will help us to rejoice when all is said and done. But in those seasons of grief, sometimes all we can do is breathe. And that, that is enough. It's that time, y'all. My co-host Ty and I are back with another woman you should know. Ty, how are you? How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Liv. It's always a joy and a pleasure and an honor to hang out with you. So I'm, I'm on the sunny side of the day. How about you? that. It's giving me all the energy right now. I have to tell you, I feel a little tired, feel a little depleted, but your voice is just making me perk up. It's making me wake up. And I appreciate that with my entire heart. Girl, <laughs> today we have a new woman that you should know, and I'm super excited to introduce her to y'all. Yes, please, Liv. Please. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Yes, so Brittany Dodson is someone that I had just randomly started following on Instagram. I have no clue how we found each other, and I have no clue when we found each other, but I really enjoy interacting with her and all of the things that she posts and shares. Brittany Dodson is a worship leader. She is involved in her church within the leadership, and she also shares the word quite a bit now. And in addition to all of that, she has written a book titled The Millennial Christian Devotional. And one of the things that I just love about her content is that it is so full and so robust and it covers so many different topics for those of us who are, you know, really just learning to pour into others at whatever stage that may be, because we have to make sure that we are continuing to be refilled, that we are continuing to check our word um, for mm -hmm. accuracy in the text and that we're, you know, really pouring from a healthy place. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what she does. Mm. That's good. And the fact that she's focusing on millennials, because I know that you're a millennial and from what you've shared, you all are like adulting and figuring this out, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, it's a unique space. And I'm glad that she targets you all to pour, to pour in. Yeah. I mean, you know, the millennial generation is huge. It's like really really big. I guess anybody that came of age during the millennium and the change in the millennium is considered a millennial. So I want to say like, it could be like 42 all the way to like 28 or so. It's just a crazy big demographic. But you're right. Like, I mean, millennials are becoming pastors. Millennials are opening businesses. Millennials are graduating with their doctorates. Millennials are doing all of these amazing things. And now it's time to pull everything that we've learned at whatever stage we're in into action and one of the things that I found about my generation is that we just get really busy really full and really <laughs> fast 
And so we need somebody to help us, you know, slow down, come back. Remember that it is time to check in with God, that we can set up structures to help us do that. And you don't have to allow any trauma, any bad experiences or even abusive situations that may have occurred in your past to inflict your ability to grow more intimate with the Lord. So I really appreciate your work. Yes. Brittany Dotson, y'all, is a woman you should know. I just love the work that Brittany and our guests today are doing on social media. Natasha Smith is a grief advocate, author, speaker, podcaster, and content creative. She loves God and believes he has a heart for the hurting. She believes God sees, God knows, and God understands every single thing that we go through. And she has a heart for the hurting, for the grieving, and for those who are experiencing and facing hard times in life as well. She has experienced God's love, sovereignty, power, healing, peace, and love in her life. And Natasha loves sharing God's goodness with others, especially for those who are hurting, so that they would know that there is hope, and hope's name is Jesus. Natasha Smith has been sharing on faith, family, and grief for over 12 years through multiple publications, including her website. And a few of those publications include Her View from Home, Today, Parents, and Focus on the Family. Natasha's new book, Can You Just Sit With Me? Healthy Grieving for the Losses of Life is available today with InterVarsity Press and anywhere that you can purchase books. And she's also had several pieces in devotionals published with guideposts this year as well. Would you please help me welcome Natasha Smith to The Best Kept Secret. Right, y'all. I am really looking forward to this conversation. This book, my goodness, can you just sit with me? Truly, truly bless my life. And we're going to talk about some of the areas that surprised me, some of the areas that I found myself within. And, you know, whether you are currently walking through a season of grief or not, I definitely recommend this book. Natasha, may I ask you, first of all, how are you doing? It's so good to have you here today. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me on your program. It's such a pleasure. I want to ask you first, you know, why did you choose this message? And what hope do you just hope that it brings to others? Mm-hmm. Thanks for that question. I think this message really came from a place of a heart's cry, I believe, starting from just my my personal grief journey, just a succession of variant losses, just a broad range of losses and a lot of loss within a short period period of time and over time. And so and then just taking really 30 plus years of sitting with grief and and not processing it, basically. Mm. Stuffing it, pushing it aside, trying to hide it until 2020. Yeah. And so 2020 rolled up 
and everything that was going on in, in our culture, in our world, it felt like grief. And I, I remember writing a piece called, Can You Just Sit With Me? Because no one was listening to anyone else. No one cared how people were hurting. You know, oftentimes when people would express like, no, this isn't right. You know, we need to stop all the racial violence. Just people were like, you know, it was those type of hurt feelings and grief were met with like an offense or, you know, it was met with with something that was unsupportive, you know, was mm-hmm. non-supportive. And so it was just like, can you just sit with me? You know, and and it resonated with a lot of people, but it resonated with me because I was like, that's how I've been feeling all these years with all the grief that I had, not really having a safe place to share it. So, wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, We all went through 2020 together. So we are resonating with that for sure. You mentioned that you went through decades of unprocessed grief and my goodness, so many of us know what that's like, but I wanna ask you, what would you recommend for those who are just beginning to grow aware that they have yet to process some grief that they have just been with for most of their life? What are some of those first steps that you might recommend? Mm-hmm. I like to say that grief needs a place to go mm-hmm. because keeping it inside is just the opposite of what we need to do. And so finding a safe place to be able to express emotions or tell your story, a safe place to just just tell your story, to tell about your loss. And, and so whether it's through a therapist, a counselor, a safe friend, or even on a page, because really that's what I started with, writing, writing about my grief. Um, and I, I've, I can't say that I've been like a big journaler, you know, a person that journals um, like a lot of my life, but I really found like writing has been the biggest way that I have processed my grief. And so just finding a place, a safe place to let it out. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great place to start as well as bringing it all to Jesus, like coming before him and sitting with him in it. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. There have been some times where I'm just like, no. No, we're not talking about that today. No, yeah. you know, and so I I recognize that there's so much courage that this takes, as well as just the ability to be honest with yourself yeah. and and honest with him, right? We don't have to have all of the right words to say. And sometimes I think we hide because it's like, I know I shouldn't be thinking that, but I am. Um, and so I appreciate that you mentioned just, you know, writing it out, getting it out anywhere that you feel may be safe, but definitely in his presence because he is the epitome of safety. You know, I was surprised to learn that various emotions like disbelief and even jealousy are ways that people grieve. What were some of your findings that surprised you about grief? Because you include a lot of research in this book, which I definitely appreciated. I was like, whoa, that is fascinating. What, what were some of the things that may have surprised you either on your own journey or in your research? Yeah, I totally would say anger because, you know, we get mad about a lot of things, you know? And so 
anger was one of mine that surprised me. And it was really just this quick story of me being around the house and I'm, you know, cleaning and doing whatever. And I, I guess I saw it on the other side of it, but I was mad. And I was like short with my husband, short with the kids. You know, I was just so short fused. And then I realized I was like, okay, it's my sister's, you know, my sister's birthday is coming up. And I was mad. And it was because I was grieving. And so I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, I haven't apologized because I'm, you know, I'm still, even though, you know, I've written a book and even though I've I've had some counseling and I continue to process, I'm still going through it on this grief journey. And so that surprised me. And that was only a few years ago. <laughs> Absolutely. I just thank you for your transparency. You know, it feels like God calls us to write and speak into those areas that we need most. And so we're so grateful to know that we don't have to have it all together, you yeah. know, in order to share what the Lord is just doing in our lives. You included a table uh, with myths and facts about grief. What are some of the common myths that you've encountered that you'd once believed yourself or that you consistently um, help other people deal with in our culture today? Yeah, thanks for that question. Definitely that grief is, is linear. Mm. Like we mm -hmm. grieve in a certain path and we all grieve the same way. Those are our big ones, especially when we tend to think about the five stages of grief. And so when we, when we think about those, or if, if people read those and, and really believe that that is how we grieve, it changes like how they're going to process because literally they're going to think they're crazy because they're like, I'm, you know, I'm angry today. I feel all right now. It's like a roller coaster of emotions. And, and so they're going to find themselves not fitting in what the, that myth is. You know, we don't grieve linear, um, in a linear or a straight path. And we don't follow these, what is considered the five stages of grief. And so, you're, you know, we're not crazy. You're not crazy. It's, it's grief. Grief is normal. It is complex. And it can be all over the place. It can be messy. And some days you can just be fine, you know. And so one thing I like to say as far as the five stages of grief is that we can use them to help inform like our grieving process. Like we can take take a look at one of the, the stages like guilt, you know, or this feeling of guilt. And so you can have that at any time. You know, you can have that when the loss first happens or you can have it five years from now. And so, yeah. you know, we 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 are all different and the grief for each one of us is as different as our fingerprint. You know, it's very different. We process things differently. Yeah, that is so helpful. I feel like it really is helping to free someone today. It definitely did me because so often I find that we just put so much pressure on ourselves mm -hmm. to be well. We put yes. so much pressure on ourselves to not feel the thing anymore. It's yes. been long enough. Right, it's true. And so, my goodness, just hearing you say that, you know, it's going to be different for everyone mm -hmm. is really helpful today. My goodness. 
Nice. I love, if that's the correct term, but I did. I'm a Bible teacher and so love it, love it, love it when I read different scriptures and see them in a new light. And I love that you talked about Job's grief. Yeah. You talk about how he literally asked 329 different questions in this book. And I, I have to admit that that was powerful for me because I once heard a message that someone shared when I was very young and they said, Job never questioned God. And I was like, and I grew up believing that. But now when I started reading the Bible myself, I was like, no, he did. Yes. He really did. So I was to see that number there, I was just like, wow. I didn't realize that it was even that much. But in your chapter on questions, you shared that there are different types of questions to ask, and some are healthier than other. What kinds of questions have you learned to ask as you process the grief that you've been through throughout the years? Mm -hmm. I think all questions are okay, really. Mm -hmm. All questions are okay. It's where those questions are stemming from or what what is the belief behind those questions. So I can ask, I can ask God any question. Mm -hmm. I'm free to ask him any question. He is the one who has all the answers. And so he's not, you know, he's not put off by our questions or he's not afraid of our questions. And I don't think he's offended if we mm -hmm. ask him a question. And so I feel like all questions are are you can throw them on the table. He's okay with them. But when we ask those questions, we have to ask those questions in light of the fact that he is, he is God and that we, what we believe about him must be like more in the forefront of those questions. Meaning if I, I have to believe that God is for me and not against me, you know, I have to believe the character that he is good you know, that he is sovereign. So I have to establish those things in those questions. Because if I, if I believe that he's against me, those, those questions are like, it changes what those questions really mean. Mm -hmm. Or those questions, it, it goes from a, a place of belief or disbelief. So I have to establish that God is good and he's for me and he is who he says he is. Otherwise, we can be thrown into this deep, dark pit of despair. Absolutely. Is this something that you always knew? Is it something that you learned and continued to grow and develop in as you went through different areas of grief? I know you shared that someone asked a question, why does so much happen to that family? Can you share with our listeners just, you know, what kinds of things you endured over the years and how you just continued to keep that at the forefront of your mind. Mm -hmm. So as it relates to like those questions or how just the question that you're asking, I, because of my, how I grew up, my church background, I didn't know that I could ask questions. Mm. Like, I, you know, like I didn't know I can question God, like, why is the, or why is this happening to me? I thought it was more of a, a slight against God if I had any questions. But I, when I read my Bible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see them stuck, 329 questions. The stuff oh, in the Bible on my own. Mm -hmm. I found out that many of people, biblical heroes and sheroes have questioned, you know, have come to God 
And that's what he, he wants us to come to him, but come to God and have had conversations, hard conversations and almost shouting matches, you know, and crying out in lament to, to God. And so I, I found through that, that it was okay. But earlier on in my grief, I had no clue. Like this book is really a culmination of this. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. I'm walking this out day by day and sometimes second by second because it was so hard. But yeah, I, it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. But some of the things that some losses that I have experiences included miscarriage, stillbirth, you know, the loss of basically half my immediate family, two of my sisters, two of my older sisters have one living. So it was four of us girls. So two of my sisters and my dad, and then the murder of my nephew. And that's just to name a few. Yeah. And so it's just been um, a lot of loss. And those are the loss of loved ones. But there's also been, you know, other type losses that are called living losses, where it was like loss of career, loss of identity in in that whole transition of I was in corporate America and now homeschool. And um, even the loss of my childhood home was like a big hit to me. And but people doesn't people often don't uh, recognize those type losses as things that you have to grieve, because I think we we just we go through life and it's like okay that's hard and we just keep trying to move forward you know without processing it as in indeed an actual loss that must be grieved yeah yeah that was one of the things that i appreciated about your book so much not that you were not just that you were so transparent and really just brought us in but also that regardless of where you are you know you can find yourself within these pages Mm -hmm. and find help and just wisdom there to navigate those different things um so i just truly appreciate that i have to tell you your chapter on invisible grief mm. shook my paradigm for everything <laughs> that I had about grief. I did not know that such a thing existed. And it was mm. so comforting to read. There are a few things that I'm not at liberty to share, but I walk with that on a consistent basis. And I just wanted to ask if you could talk about this concept of invisible grief and how to process and progress through that in Mm -hmm. light of it. Did you hear? Did you hear? Selah, a study of 1st and 2nd Samuel, the study that I have written is now available. I am so excited to get this into your hands, but I want you to know that we're not only going to study the scriptures, but we're going to pray together as well. This study includes six video sessions and 30 guided prayers to help us settle into worship. When you visit Amazon, you can find it there, but you can also grab it at livedooly.com slash Selah. And when you go to that webpage, you will find a freebie as well. If you've ever been interested in learning about when King David composed the Psalms and what was going on in his life at the time, I have compiled a little resource for you to really learn more about that in comparison with 1st and 2nd Samuel. Together, it's my prayer that these resources help us enjoy 
scripture even more. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking about that because it's often not talked about, you know, and so invisible grief um, is also called disenfranchised grief. And it's basically when we experience a loss that is not recognized or is, is deemed really not worthy to be grieved. Mm-hmm. And it could be, could be because of what is considered a poor decision on, on our part or um, something that culture or our world, even our church, don't recognize as being something that's worthy to be grieved because of the actions of the griever. And so because of that, you know, a lot of shame may be attached and people tend to isolate and grieve in silence. Um, And some examples is in the book, I discussed several of examples, but some examples could be like the death of by suicide. It can be divorce. It can be adoption. Um, That's part of my my story. It could be um, even like child placement after divorce. Like it's it's so many um, different examples that. I've included in in that particular chapter, but the thing about that is, you know, when we suffering in silence, grieving in silence and suffering in silence are to me one and the same. And so to be able to process that again, because grief needs a place to go and people feel like they can't, they they don't have a safe place, you know, because, you know, they may feel like they're going to be judged. Mm -hmm. I know for me, that was, that was my case. I felt like you know, if I tell anybody, whew, you know, I'm going to get the mm-hmm. wrath and all the judgment and eyes on me and look what she did, you know, that type of thing. And so I literally didn't tell anyone and and literally, I mean, I say anyone, there were a few family, you know, family members who knew my husband knows, you know, so certain yeah. people who know, but liter- literally not until a few years ago when I spoke at an actual birth mom retreat. And I was like, God, okay, you are funny. (laughs) You know, that was kind of arranged by God. You know, I spoke there and no one knew that I was also a birth mom, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, God just brought healing in that, in that moment. But when you feel like you are alone, I mean, that is just such an isolated place. And so again, let me go back to, because grief needs a place to go. Thankfully, there are more groups. There are more support groups and support systems that you can plug into just for instance like birth moms there are different birth mom groups but for other other things and I also recommend counseling you talk Mm -hmm. to a therapist like no one has to know you know if if it's you know that much of a private matter but you need to you need to talk to someone and and just start to begin to unpack you know different emotions and, and just what happened, you know, because that's, that's a lot of it, you know, even in talking about, you know, my adoption story, basically with the counselor, I mean, just unpacking, unpacking that was a process. Oh my gosh, because I hadn't talked about it. I mean, people knew about it, but I hadn't talked about it. You know, that's Mm -hmm. two different things to process a loss you know, just to mention a loss and to process are two different things. So just encourage um, those who are going through that to really um, reach out to someone so you can at least talk about it to begin to process. 
Absolutely. That is helpful. I can't exactly share the details because yeah. it's not my story to tell. Yeah. But whenever I share this with, you know, one or two people that I'm closest to, they always attempt to reason my grief away. Well, you have mm. to know this, or you have to know that. And it hurts just as much. But I'd like to ask, you know, for those of us that are sitting with others in mm -hmm. their grief, what advice and wisdom might you share with them to just help us be better companions? Mm -hmm. Just an amazing question, because that is, this is what is needed. So the opposite of reasoning, <laughs> we want to... We want, in sitting with others, we need to put on our listening ears, kind of how we tell, you know, kids, like, put on your listening ears, um, because it's, it's so underrated. And it's harder than, obviously, than what we think, you know, to really lean in and listen to to what people people are saying and listening to their stories, because often when someone starts to tell us their story, we want to tell our story, but it's not the time. And so, so listening, which includes not giving advice during that time, not interjecting with, again, like another, you know, your own personal story. And you can ask, they can ask questions that will help lead, lead into what this, the story is behind what's, what's going on with the person who's grieving. But the biggest thing is listening and their presence. Because a lot of times it's like the griever really doesn't have words. Depending on when you're sitting with them, you know, it's hard to formulate words. It's hard to put language to the heaviness and, and the grief that they're feeling at the moment. It's hard to put together words. And so just um, sitting, you can praying, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say pray, Praying with them, but not offering, you know, those platitudes that are often given because sometimes it's hard for grievers to even, I don't want to say understand, but kind of process some some of the Christianese that yeah. are is given off during that time. Yeah. Because even just saying things simply as, you know everything is going to be all right, which we, it's true. It's true at some point, you know, but it may not be what they need to hear at the moment because things aren't right. Mm -hmm. Things are all wrong. Like they're really wrong at this moment. And so we have to be super, super careful with, with our words, you know? Yeah. We have to be super careful with our words. That's why listening it would, you know, that is like the biggest, biggest thing that I can, can recommend when sitting with someone. Yeah. That is definitely helpful. I think oftentimes we hear, you know, well, don't give platitudes, but then it's like, well, what do I give? And I so know, hearing that, you know, prayer, yeah. you know, is one of those things or just sitting and just listening is so helpful. Oftentimes, I think we just pressure ourselves to have the yeah. right thing to say too much. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, just be, they just need you to just be. It's true. Uh, 
So thank you. Thank you so much for just sharing all of this with us. It is definitely a necessary conversation. And I know that it has blessed multiple of our <laughs> sisters who are listening to today. If we can just lighten it up a little bit, I'd like to kind of switch and ask you a few secrets. So <laughs> my first one is in this fast paced culture, what do you do to slow down? Are there affirmations you surround yourself with or are there rhythms that you incorporate into your schedule on a regular basis that just helps you to slow down? That is a good question. Because I'm not the, I, I never know what people are going to say. Oh my gosh. Look, I'm still trying to find some rhythms, but I do love to do a couple of things that always help me. And it's, I don't do it often enough, but I know when I'm intentionally trying to slow down is when I bring out my guitar and when I bring out my paints. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I yes. like to do watercolors and I serve as a worship leader at my church. Um, and so I sing, but those, but when I'm doing them at home, I mean, those are, it's intentional moments that I'm like, I'm trying to just be, I'm trying to be, and I'm trying to slow things down. Um, because I had started including them into a Sabbath, like I'm trying to incorporate Sabbath so hard. It um, is. and so in my Sabbath, like, you know, you don't have to take a nap to, you know, have a, a true Sabbath. And so I started incorporating things that I like to do. And so playing the guitar and, um, worship as well as doing watercolors, that's my thing. You are the first person that has ever said playing the guitar or playing with watercolors. <laughs> I love this question. Now, I cannot play the guitar, so that would just not be a good use of my time. But I can definitely paint, so I might go oh, do that. I might get some just to have nearby, yeah, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes I've heard of even people, like, putting together a little box. I think sometimes if we just get the stuff, you know, oh, then that. we're more like <laughs> yeah. able to act on it. The next question I have for you is, what does an ideal day off look like for Natasha? What where, I mean, sky's the limit. Where are you going? What are you doing? For one, I did not set the alarm for the next morning. That's, Ooh, that's come the on. thing. <laughs> sleeping in. Um, so sleeping in and coffee. I love coffee. I'm like one of those people. Um, so coffee and um, I might do a little Netflix. See what song? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, might, I might go get my toast done too. Yeah. That's sweet. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. That's my type of day. You have me at no alarm. <laughs> and the last one is what is bringing a smile to your face these days? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say my family, just spending time with them. You know, sometimes it'd be feeling like, you know, I don't be having smiles, but mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this summer and the summer ending, um, it's been really sweet. It's been a sweet summer with spending time with the kids and um, like our recent family vacation last last month was, yeah, a couple oh. months ago. Um, so just spending time with them has been, has really put a smile on my face. They're getting older and growing so, so fast. And Everywhere I go, they're like, your kid's growing so fast. Yeah. yeah. So spending time with them before it's 
time for them to leave the nest. We have one who's a senior um, in the fall. So, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Lots of changes coming. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Ah, can you just sit with me? Is your new book. Can you tell everyone where they can find it and where they can get connected to you? Yeah. So you can find the book. Um, can you just sit with me? wherever books are sold, um, Amazon or whatever your favorite um, book store outlet is. And you can find me across social media at I'm Natasha Smith. Awesome. Y'all already know. I've already linked it. I just wanted you to hear it because <laughs> I know you've already been in the description below. My goodness, it was such an honor to just have this conversation with you. Thank you for just allowing the Lord to lead you to share it with us. Would you pray us out? Yes. God, uh, thank you, Father, for this time. We love you so much. We thank you for all that you've done and that you are continuing to do, Lord God. Thank you for this time with my sister Liv, Lord. Um, thank you for those who are listening, those who will listen. Lord, just pray for those who have hurting hearts today, Lord God, those who are grieving. We thank you, Lord, that you are close to the brokenhearted, Lord God, that you are near. Lord God, even when we can't feel you or sense you, Lord God, you are always here with us, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that um, you never leave us, that you will never forsake us, Lord God, that you are for us and not against us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that we can trust your word. We thank you that you watch over your word to perform it. So we just pray, Lord God, that as we continue um, in this day, Lord God, in the days of ahead, Lord God, that you're, we can, we pray that we can feel your tangible presence, Lord God, wherever we go, and that you would just help us and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that we can just feel and sense your peace, your love, and your comfort, no matter where we are, Lord God, we know that you're with us, Lord. So just help us to lean into that, to cling to you to sit at your feet, to know that you are sitting with us, Lord God. And because of that, that makes all the difference. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Mm. That conversation was good for my soul. I pray that you can say the same. If there's anything that resonated with your heart, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible and leave a rating and review. It will truly bless this podcast more than you know. Now, in the meantime, I'm on Instagram at CandidLive, and it would be an honor to connect with you there. Talk to you soon. Love you.